stacking them deep, selling them cheap. It tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're just out here stacking pennies. Hey friends, we are back for another episode of Stacking Pennies. I'm your host, Corey the Joy, with my friends, Mr. Chuck Bush. Say hello. Hello. I was waving. And Mr. Ice Cold Blue Mountain takes himself, Jonathan Merriman. How you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing? I'm doing good. I love the fact that I was waving on an audio podcast <laughs> like I thought that they would see like, me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, give the, give the people what they want. It's Chuck. been a long couple of weeks, all right? <laughs> Man, big weekend, actually, Nash Vegas. And, you know, my expectations on a scale 1 to 10, 10 being like the Daytona 500, I'll be honest, my expectations were, going, were about a 4 because I thought the competition wasn't going to be very, very good. Looking back on previous races, single lane racetrack notoriously, but it it was like a seven, maybe an eight, Chuck, because Nashville was rocking, downtown was packed, and we had a full grandstands and a little bit of traffic. Hey, that I wanted to talk about. Well, you know, I got there on Thursday because we've been doing this follow doc on the Nashville Super Speedway coming back, and. There was a buzz in the air Thursday, just like going around and just shooting some like scenics of the empty track as the fans were coming in and the campers were getting pulled in. Like there were dudes just like, you know, I'm really, I'm just glad that the NASCAR is back here, that like it's in middle Tennessee again. This is awesome. Like f- every fan that we talked to on the grounds was ecstatic that NASCAR was back in Nashville. And to your point about the traffic, I heard people complaining about the traffic all weekend, Dude. and I think they're they're losing sight of the the, the, the reason. Yeah. Yes. We had fans at the racetrack in a packed grandstand, and oh, you had to wait in traffic because we had a full grandstand. Right. It the same people who are complaining about hey, look at the TV. There's nobody in the grandstands. The same people are like, oh damn, now there's too much traffic at the racetracks. People are showing up again. There were camera guys that said, I haven't seen track like this since the early 2000s, like before 2008, before the economic downturn type stuff, because there was a drop off in fans then. Yeah, because it wasn't you know it's cost prohibitive at times. Now, let me let me uh, like something hit me like a ton of bricks. Uh, after the race. So the way they had infield traffic going was banging left out of the tunnel and you were going like against the foot traffic. So there was people walking by the cars, right? And it struck me that like this fan appreciation moment because these fans have been sitting in the grandstand since... In the heat. In the heat, hot as ball sack, sunburnt with their kids wearing a Chase Elliott hat. Like... That was the ultimate level of fan appreciation for me. So if y'all, anybody listening to the show was at the racetrack on Sunday or any Sunday for that matter, we appreciate you. We appreciate you for showing up to the racetrack and supporting because Nashville came out in droves and it was awesome to see. But I don't think people within the industry, drivers especially, like get to real, like have to realize that these fans are parking four miles away from the racetrack, lugging their stuff into the racetrack, buying their T-shirts, going to sit and watch this ride around circles for four hours, and then have to do it all over again and sit in traffic. So, um, man, it was a a realization for me this weekend to see the fans come out. But also after the race, we're all sunburnt and disheveled, but uh, doing it because they love the sport. I got a new appreciation for what the track operations team goes through. Like – TV, we show up and we expect everything to be ready to go and we're going to go do our job and then we're going to leave. We we don't want to deal with people. We want to get in and out and have no problems. Mm-hmm. But seeing the hard work of all the people that work at the track to make sure that the fans are happy because people, as we have mentioned on Twitter, complain about things, right? Mm-hmm. People are rarely happy about stuff. right? But to see the way... like at least this track, and I know that it's across the board for NASCAR tracks across the country, that customer service side of making sure that if somebody comes up to you angry, they walk away happy. Like, if they have an issue, you address the issue, and you may not be able to fix it right away, but you can have an answer and a response as to why it's like this, and they just want to be heard. And, you know, that's anybody, really. But the way the track team 
helped the fans and and got through a lot of the issues I was extremely impressed and that just says to me that if when we go back because I think there's races there for I think it's guaranteed four years I think really I don't know I may need to cut that out <laughs> so not I, fact I check I know we're going back uh, next year so it's always what happens next how do you improve NASCAR is good at fixing uh things that that didn't go right and addressing it for the future and I'm pretty sure Nashville Super Speedway is going to do the same thing so I think next year a lot of those issues that were there will be addressed and fixed, and it'll be even better, which is hard to kind of – we had a good – not only was the experience at the track good, but the racing was good too. Well, I think the racing the, the racing was so good because I feel like anytime you guys are throwing a curveball, you know, you might not like it, and I think anything that you guys hate is good for us, the fans. Debatable. So, Debatable. Uh, you know, I, I think because it was so new, the cup cars had never been on that racetrack. Uh, you know, I think we obviously, you know, nothing's going to slow Hendrick Motorsports down uh, at this point um, unless a meteor crashes into the all four trucks on the way to the, the racetrack. But, um, you know, new track, 50-minute practice. I felt like that was perfect. Qualifying, awesome. Um, and then, you know, you had 400 miles, with which Larson dominated, but you had – Part failures. It was the track seemed to be a little bit harder on equipment. Brakes were exploding. Team's fault, not NASCAR's fault. Right. Um, so I thought that was an, an old school kind of throwback, grinded out race, manager equipment, um, and some good racing back in the field as well. I think that for that 750 package, there, people underestimated, some teams underestimated the amount of brake you were going to use. You were using. More brakes in Darlington. I mean, you were using upwards of 400 to 500 pounds of brake pressure, which is fairly a, a, a lot. So if guys had their stuff taped to get that little bit of aero advantage, they could burn the brakes up, and we saw the 12 brake a road amongst some other guys. So uh, saw some guys have brake fade along with the two, who we'll talk to Ryan Flores about it here in a minute. But, uh, yeah, it was interesting. Well, did you see what the 12 did uh, before Green Flag? I didn't. What happened to him there? So he came up onto the racetrack too soon off the access road and basically it pitched the car in a way where the, the left rear quarter panel drug and pulled it out. I mean, he basically had a parachute on the race car before the green flag ever started because of the 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 track grabbed it and yanked really? it out. did a little Corey LaJoy razor scooter action on the on the, Dang. On the quarter so pan. that banking will get you everybody does that so it used to be um now that now that there's some side skirt length rules beforehand guys would leave the left side and the right side skirt but mostly the left side skirt long and whenever you would go turn up on the racetrack, you would just crank it really hard onto the banking, and the left rear would sink down, and it would flare that left side skirt out and get some side force or down force, whatever it was in the tunnel. Uh, but now there's a length, so you don't get quite as much, but still guys do it to try to get a little bit of left rear uh, side skirt flare. And when if you're sitting on a, a really soft left rear spring, like apparently the 12 was, that left rear quarter panel t tip will like sink and hit the apron or the banking, and it'll push that thing up and apparently made a parachute for Ryan Blaney, which is not good. But for them to come in, to realize that and come in before the race even started was a little bit odd to me. But it didn't matter. I would have just played it out to the first caution because, I mean, I mean, what's worse going to happen? You're going to lose the track position anyways? Like, wouldn't it just average out? But, I mean, I'm not a crew chief. So. Yeah, well, you'd be surprised how much drag that puts in the car. I mean, you put that – you get that left rear quarter panel out in the wind, and it makes the drive terrible and puts a, a parachute on the back of that thing. And you know who the car who did not have a parachute, again, hasn't had a parachute on the back of that thing for the last three months is that damn five car in Kyle Larson. That sucker is on a roll, man. Chuck, what's it look Boy, like? fast. I mean, like – I don't get to watch the races, but I'll, I'll sometimes watch him back. I see him first person. Is he just annihilating the field or what? I mean, pretty much. That's just what it feels like. And, it, you know, every now and then you get a car that will do that. You get a driver and a team that's hitting on all cylinders. And I had this thought in victory lane, which, by the way, was the first time I've been in victory lane since the Daytona 500 in uh, 2020. 
which man it, it, that hit me when I was like I was going about my business and just kind of went in and like like it was old school you know whatever didn't really think about it and then I stopped and I was standing <laughs> and I was like oh this is the first time I've been here and welcome week. back yeah so that was cool but standing there I saw Chad Canals walk into victory lane and it kind of clicked with me with Hendrick just where they are now is that partly because he is that now on top of every like all four teams making sure that they're all pulling in the right direction and you know it just so happens that that cliff and kyle have hit the chemistry side of it of the driver crew chief part that when you have the brains of a chad canals overseeing and then you've got a good pairing with driver and crew chief that that just sort of allows for domination uh obviously so Cliff Daniels was Chad's right-hand man for years, and Cliff Daniels is, is like a Chad Knauss 2.0. So I don't know if it's so much Chad having a, like, manager role over all four teams with whatever competition trickles down. There's two big areas that you hit on to find speed. Three. Motor, downforce, and driver. And that 48 car did not change a whole lot besides a decal – and a driver. Now, Hendrick must have hit on a little something in the engine department because ECR and Hendrick combined their efforts about August or September last year. Uh, but really and truly, man, they changed the number and stuck probably the guy that's hardest on the gas pedal in the country right now in that thing, and it's making everybody look like uh, some wise guys at the moment. And honestly, man, Kyle Larson's a great dude, and it's awesome to see. Uh, now, I just don't know what the point is that people get tired of him winning all the time there's at that point's gonna now come. it's the 48 it's, it's now the, it's do you think it's now because somebody had a somebody had a tweet that was like you know some of you didn't live through jimmy 09 yeah. and it shows <laughs> <laughs> just because i mean that's what jimmy was waxing people larson's waxing people people are getting tired of it but look they're not the way it goes they're not because there was i i I made sure to listen to the cheers yeah. during driver intros. And who had the loudest cheers? It wasn't – well, it was Chase Elliott. <laughs> so who had Coming in a Chase, close, Chase Elliott, Chase very, Elliott. very, very close second was Kyle Larson. Like, it was almost indistinguishable for the amount of cheers that Kyle Larson's getting. So, people are loving having him back. They might not love the domination and stinking up the show a little bit, but – it is pretty cool to see that five car in victory well, lane. As you say a lot of times, you'll have that in big time auto racing. You will have that big time auto racing. You, it ebbs and flows. We've seen it several times. And it I will say there will be a backside to it where they really aren't. I was like, man, Kyle Larson just keeps winning everything. And it's like that's just part of the game. Part of the game. Isn't it funny though how how much or how many times it's been Hendrick? that does this compared to everybody else yeah gibbs will have a run yeah penske will have a run but like when it comes to like one guy just crapping on everybody what's that word that it they call it tends to come out of the hendrick motorsports camp like when they hit something yeah they just keep driving it dynasty yeah is that, i mean is that is that an accurate uh, description of the hendrick motorsports organization there's a reason why they're the best team in the history of the sport like you you can there's no argument for that they have the smartest people. They have a, probably the best engine shop, and they have, I mean, not arguably, the best drivers come through that shop as any race team in the history of NASCAR. We had a little bit of uh, had a little bit of uh, charter news this week. Something that's fairly close to home because my team, Spire, owned three, sold two, to College Racing, an Xfinity Series uh, team that they are going and gearing up to race two cars next year in the Cup Series. Uh, one for Justin Haley, who's a teammate at Spire this year. So that was some big news on the on the charter front this week, Chuck or Merriman. What did you guys think? I thought it was big. I Do saw you get a bigger Christmas bonus since they got all that cash now? Uh, I don't know about – I don't think that that's related, but uh, – <laughs> <laughs> TJ did throw a pretty cool party, like a little uh, on Saturday night. He rented out the top room at the new 1230 Club at, right off Broadway. I think Justin Timberlake's bar. It's like in that new little, it's in that new like epicenter type area at the end of Broadway, which is really oh, yeah. cool. That was a good time. It's a good pizza place there. 
Um, Called Slim and Huskies. Look, I'll be the sure. I'll be the first to to admit <laughs> I'm a fat guy when I like food. When you guys bought the the seventy eight charter, you know at the time it was a championship charter, and you know what what I assume how it works is right that they're weighted, and I'm like, what are they doing? Aren't there like some cheaper charters or whatever to go get? I was like, I don't really understand this. It now makes complete and perfect sense, you know, to build that team up to get you know to still be full-time racing to have some assets to put in the bank to get some better equipment stuff like that and just build it up but i mean on the surface i'll admit i was like what are they doing over there but hey worked out now who's the dummies they bought that charter they ran they uh ice cold take ice cold takes because those guys bought that thing and it was the, the most expensive charter because it had the historical money to back it up for the next three years and they managed it in a way to pay for it and pay it off, you know, and I don't think deep down competitively they were wanting to do it like that, but those guys are also businessmen that figured out figured out the game. Well, and they flipped two of them and made some uh, some decent money. And looking at Colleague, like that's a team that has been building, right? Yeah. And you, you have to know, you have to have known that they were angling towards the Cup Series. Mm-hmm. And they've been winning in Xfinity. They've been contenders in the Xfinity series. So, I mean, this is the next logical progression. And the fact that they're keeping their drivers going to the next level, I think that's that's huge. And you know, I saw Chris Rice in the media center after the announcement. And, you know, we've wor- it's no, no secret we've worked with him here on NASCAR.com. So, I'm a little bit biased. But I gave him a hug and was like, dude, man, this is going to be awesome. I think y'all are going it's, it's, to – it should be fun to see next year. There's – how many cars are going to be in the field? Like, there's gonna be a lot of good ones. There's gonna be a lot of good ones. The, the duels are gonna mean a lot in yeah. Daytona next year. There's gonna be like, I think we're just going in the right direction. Anytime you add new teams to a sport, you bring in folks like Pitbull. You got Michael Jordan. Now you've got Colleague coming in. It just creates this excitement and this energy. And I don't think I don't think Rice gets enough credit either. On the flip side of the excitement of Colleague racing, right? Chris Rice, Matt Collett coming in, investing heavily in the sport to go run cup. You have the other side of the coin with guys like Denny, with guys like Justin Marks now, who are actively pursuing, whether it be in, in Trackhouse's case, a charter to own, or Denny's case, a charter for his second team. The demand for charters is high. Yep. And the price of a charter only is dependent on what somebody's worth paying for it, right? So – uh, when you have Rick Ware that owns two leases to one by Petty's, one by Front Row, you got to be looking at, you know, Bob Jenkins over there at Front Row is going to be entertaining some conversations to get rid of that, that third charter. Same with Petty's, you know, because the buyers are out there. And if that going price for a charter is up close to, you know, eight figures, then you, you, you know there's going to be some charters and some paperwork taking place, I would imagine. Well, and if you sell that charter and pair down to two-car or one-car, depending on how many you're – whatever you do there, you can then take that money and focus it on the one team. Yeah. So then the competition – was it Rising Tide raises all ships? Yep, High yeah. Tide raises all ships. Yeah. Now, that's the hope, right? Hopefully we can get a full-on A program next year from Hendrick Motors, uh, Hendrick Engines and – you know, whatever technical alliance it works out, whether it be or wherever we get it from, we have one with Canassi now we get cars from. But, um, you know, it certainly allows us to be a little more flexible with one car and, uh, you know, possibly add a couple guys to the fleet to make us stronger. And, and I think that overall it's going to be better for our team and it's better for the sport too to have another guy, like you said, Matt Colleague, who, uh, who is quite deep in the pockets, invests in the sport as well. And, uh, it just makes the strength of the overall series stronger when you continue to add guys uh, that are put competitive programs out there. You touched on something else, too, that we didn't really talk about um, it, when we were discussing Nashville, the the Broadway and oh, the yeah. stuff that's going on out there. Oh, God, love Broadway. I went down there. I know, as you, know you said you went down there. I did. What was your takeaway from uh, the atmosphere in Nashville? <laughs> well – Man, Nashville is so much fun. Anybody who hasn't been, I rec- ten out of ten recommend go. But I got so dinner in that in that bar place that the team threw was seven o'clock. So I wanted to get down there about six thirty. I'm not usually early, as y'all well know. But I got down there a little early because I had just a little time to kill, and I wanted to just make one lap around Broadway. I wanted to walk down the 
street and just people watch, right? The people watching was unbelievable. And I also would say that the NASCAR merch was out in full force because I would say one out of every five people on Broadway had some sort of NASCAR memorabilia on, and that was awesome to see. And in the half-a-mile lap that I took down Broadway and back, I got recognized quite a bit. I tried to stay under the radar. And, no, you know, I'm not a really highly recognizable guy, Chuck, but I had three or four people yell stacking pennies. A couple guys took some selfies, and it made me feel good because I'm a nobody. People are starting to know who I am, especially when the NASCAR is in town. That whole, I walked down Broadway as well, and I wanted to be kind of up on a perch looking down on it all because I just I don't like people. I don't like crowds. That's just my thing. Oh, dude, so yeah. packed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we went over to uh, Printer's Alley, um, and there's some cool spots over there too that's just a little bit less crowded. So Nashville, I'm looking forward to going back for Champions Week to cover that in the fall. Um, always a good time. And, you know, we had a good time, I think, talking to some other people on the show today. I'm making the toss to you to say, to hey. Me. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. We also talked to my buddy Ryan Flores, who had an interesting week. Let's see what he's got to say on Pit Road Boats and Woes. The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. All right, guys, we're back for the segment you know and love, Pit Road Boats and Woes. My good friend Ryan Flores, front change for Brad Kozlowski. How you doing today? Good. I'm bummed to not be there with you, but uh, happy to be calling in. What uh, what do y'all do on a on a Tuesday after or Tuesday morning that doesn't allow you to get down here to NASCAR? Uh, film review and practice workouts. Uh, just the kind of Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday mornings is our schedule. Her. Um, so the paying job hinders me. So the pit road woe of the week is obviously Chase Elliott's disqualification, losing his stage points, his finish, all because of some loose nuts. What is the story behind Chase's nuts this week? So I don't I haven't gotten like a thousand percent confirmation on if it was a couple nuts scattered throughout all four wheels or what I've seen before is like if one wheel, like we've seen left rears come loose and you just finish the race and all five nuts are actually backed off. Um, and they'll call that as well. I'm not sure if, um, maybe, you know, some of these teams will hit four in the middle of the race to kind of make up some time. And I'm not sure if they hit four on each corner and left a couple off thinking they were going to get another pit stop. Um, or if, you know, I would think that they would know that. Um, they have smart guys with helmet cameras that would know if they have more than X amount of lug nuts off the car, they would pit and put them back on so they wouldn't lose, um, you know, their finishing position. So my assumption is that there was a wheel coming loose and all five lug nuts had backed off, and that the way the rule has written will cause um, cause that penalty. Why is there – how did this lug nut rule come to be? Because there was a time where there was no rule. You could have one lug nut holding that thing for all it was worth. Where did this rule come from, and is it run its course? Uh, so so it, 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 the lug nut rule was – it was actually a lot tighter. Um, if you remember, there was a lot of teams that would lose races more and more off pit road when we had officials in every pit stall. We would have 
an official in the front or rear of every pit stall, and they check your lug nuts during the pit stop. If you try to leave without a lug nut on the car, they would stop you or you'd have to come back in. I think, you know, if you go back to, you know, 2010, 11, you know, sooner you would see that um, quite a bit, cars having to come back down uh, to, to install a lug nut. Then we went to the um, the pro system, which which watches, uh, get, got all of the NASCAR officials off pit road. We were trying to do that as a sport for safety to have less people over the wall. Um, so the pro system watches the pit stops from uh, there's 40 cameras that watch each pit box. And then there's guys in a trailer that um, see if your tires get away. In turn, that system cannot read the lug nuts. It cannot tell you if the lug nuts are tight or not. So um, when that lug nut rule went away, everybody obviously being racers started hitting four, three, um, and then uh, it kind of got tightened back up. I think maybe in 2000, I don't know, let's call it 17 or so, when uh, Tony Stewart kind of brought up that it was a um, safety concern. So we went back to having all five installed at the end of the race. Has it run its course? I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't like the tricks, right? I just want to go hit five and, and uh, compete. Um, obviously, as racers, if there's a little bit of an advantage to be found or, or some games to be played, everybody's going to do it. And then you kind of got to get on board and has it, has it run its course? I don't know. I mean, we've got five more months of hitting five lug nuts and it'll go away. So I don't know how much everybody's pressing on it. You just want to make sure your wheels don't fall off, make sure everybody's staying safe. Obviously the nine took a fairly considerable hit. Now there's a, there's a decent argument to be had about keeping your stage points because it's a different set of wheels uh, at the end of the race, obviously, than he ran in the first segment and the second segment. So uh, it's obviously the way, not the rule, the way the rule is written. He does not get to keep any of it because he is completely disqualified for the last set of tires not being tight. I wanted to ask you about the double zero. The double zero lost his tire on the first lap of the race. The thing fell right off. How is that? How does that oversight happen? Yeah, I've actually been part of this, um, you know, going through tech. I, one time going through tech in Las Vegas with an Xfinity car, um, we had to ch- swap out some wheel space where we didn't get the wheel torque. It didn't fall off, but it shook loose, and it cost us the pole. Um, we were just able to torque it and go on after qualifying. But what happened with Quinn is you, you guys qualified Sunday morning, and yep. then after qualifying, you got to switch out tires. You got to take off your qualifying tires and put on a set of stickers. Mm. So – what happened there was when they swapped the, the tires out, you can, there's a, there's a couple of different things that can happen, but the impact guns can either get lug nuts too tight or not tight enough. Sorry if you're hearing some screaming here. I'm in the gym. It's all good. Uh, Getting after but, um, but I'm guessing there you'll either run, you'll see guys run the nuts up with the impact and not get them tight on purpose. So they come back and torque them to, whatever torque specification they want. So they're not too tight coming off on the first pit stop. Um, I'm guessing that's what they did or they just didn't get it tight and you get right front load at a track like that, man. I don't know if it, if, uh, if it broke the studs or what happened, but that thing come off, come right off. Like Brian Vickers asked from Charlotte back in the day and the other pit road, woe, which actually probably caused some woes, were the brake rotors breaking. Um, and we can talk about that here later in the show, but uh, you're probably privy on brake tape and stuff like that, and obviously brake dust when you sit down and hit those fronts. Was the brake dust heavier than what you expected to be here this weekend at Nashville? So brake dust for us wasn't terrible. Brake dust is um, is pad-dependent, right? The whatever you see teams have worse or, or more brake dust, and it's all just about what pad you guys run, right? And different pads – um, there's certain pads where if I know we're going to run them, I'll prepare for it, wear a different shield, stuff like that. And then there's other pads where, you know, you're not too worried about it. Just the heat in general this weekend was, was really bad. You'll burn your fingers. I got to tape, you got to tape the end of your, ends of your fingers, uh, when you pull the wheel and it's really a time when you don't want to hang on to the wheel any longer than you have to, because, uh, you'll leave with blisters on your hands. But yeah, there was a lot of brake, a lot of brake temperature. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of action on pit road this weekend. You know, other than that, there was a lot of. You know, the eight car spinning out, leaving Bailey Curry running his guys over a lot of penalties. They're entering, which I, which I kind of had a question for you about, I think, Corey, we got, they, they busted some guys in the Xfinity race and they busted Martin Truex there early. 
have they been harping on you guys about staying in the outside lane coming to pit road they've been calling that they've been calling that tight for the last six weeks and i that's in every driver's meeting that chuck narrates every week so if you just listen to chuck you would know that you have to enter pit road in single file it doesn't matter if you're in the first pit box the t- by the time you roll into pit road or the last one um sometimes it starts checking up but i think it's a little bit of lax guys get lazy on that stuff and try to favor you know half the car or whatever it is but nascar they get on their kicks or they start calling something tight and you know they got grabbed a couple in the xfinity race and they grabbed martin truex on sunday and i feel like that's uh that's just something you can't get lazy on. stay single file in the outermost lane until you reach your pit box yeah, there you have That's it the, from the I mean, man that, himself. Yeah. It's there. <laughs> I've read it numerous times. Y'all got to listen. Y'all just got to listen. Well, I would imagine now that now the driver's meeting's on Zoom I don't, or, or it's on a link, I don't think anybody's watching it. Um, I, I've got a question yeah. then, yeah. Chuck, and you might know this. A couple weeks back, from what I understand, at the 600, the, the five car got to the nine cars inside getting a pit road. Stuck them out there. The nine car had the lift to – get back to the get you know he, the five car got to his inside There's, and he was the last pit stall so the nine car had to lift and get back to his pit stall does that rule go out the window yeah, under green. green flag stops yeah it doesn't matter for green it's no holds barred okay yeah the line That's is in there down. under yellow flag conditions yep yeah okay cool thank you for well, clarifying, clarifying that up. chuck yeah but then we saw the eight car draw i knew somebody was gonna do it i knew it truex got popped under green though didn't he couldn't have. I'm pretty Truex sure. You no, know, it was under caution. We'll have to go out to the pro truck and get the tape on that. Pull the tape. Yeah, no, it was under caution a thousand percent. Yeah, I don't think there's any rule on. Okay. People people were frustrated from what I saw because he was kind of by himself. He was really far back from all the cars that fitted. But just like the Lugnut rule, just like everything else, rules are rules for a reason. Mm. NASCAR at the beginning of the event gives us a set of rules and we have to stick to them. That's right. So, Or it will be a pit road of woe. Yeah. And what about what about my man Bailey Curry? Just the bowling pin. I mean, how, he wiped how, his guys out. I, so I guess from a driver's standpoint, how and I don't want to touch on something bad, obviously, but it's like how often do you check your brakes coming to pit road to make sure you have them so before I'll, you stop in your stall? So you'll speed up and then you'll slow down right before the line. So you get a decent pump there to make sure you have brakes. Um Honestly, and not sticking up for Bailey Curry by no means because I've never wiped out my guys, knock on wood. But, like, you try to get it fairly deep into the box before you just, like, you have some commitment to the brake pedal. Uh, it's not like you're pumping them. Like, you just, you're going second gear, looking at your lights, and then you kick that thing into neutral so, as soon as you start turning off, and then you're, I just try to get one stab at the brake pedal and try to get the fronts locked up so the guys can start looking at where the nuts are lined up. But. Yeah, if I had no brakes, um, you'd probably be in a predicament because your guys are committed to go over the wall two boxes away, and if you don't have brakes, you're going to come in like a bowling ball and wipe your guys out like pins like Bailey Curry did. So uh, Here's definitely the tough scary. part. The toughest part is when you realize you don't have brakes, I think it's the driver's instinct to turn right and try to miss the box. Yeah. Where if you just go straight, it'd be better because as a as a picker guy, you can either pick the mayonnaise or the mustard, right? Yeah. But when you get stuck in the middle, you know, if you commit to the outside line and you blow long, then you're good. But when they start turning back out, man, you are a hood emblem. Oh, that's what I mean. That's what I would. That's what I would do. Is I if if I had no brakes, I would just continue the the standard path of entry and just blow through the next box. But uh, yeah, now like explain to the listeners that when you get wiped out like that. You're getting hit by a car going 25 miles an hour. Like these guys pop back up, like they they just like nothing happened. But like those guys got wiped out, dude. The tough part now is that you know there used to be two of you running, and you know it used to be a lot less congested there. But now the carrier has two tires, and it's a little bit it's a little bit tighter to get to the car. Um, but when you when you get there, man, the the tough part is you want to get up and get on the hood. When your ankles get clipped and you get spinning and land on your head, that's when it gets really bad. But uh, if you can get up and get on the hood and maybe even get up to, to as far as the windshield, it's it's not as painful. But when you start getting thrown around and uh, and tossed in the air and landing on land on your head, I think we saw it with you know one of with a, the two car a couple of years ago with Braxton and these guys um, at Pocono. 
was one of the worst I'd ever seen. I was actually with the two cars and backup at that point. And that was, that was pretty scary. We got out of there, um, without anybody getting hurt. But yeah, when you get up in the air and come back down to the earth hard, that's when it gets bad. When you can just ride the hood out more like a, more like a cowboy at the rodeo. Yeah. Have you ever got hit on pit road? Um, not, not to the extent of what they did. I've actually obviously gotten brushed. The scary part is like when people cut you, cut you close and clip your ankles. That's uh that's a little scary, but, uh, mm. but yeah, I haven't, haven't ended up as far as those guys have probably will this weekend. I you said something. Oh, I hope not. Let's knock on wood. Anything else? <laughs> is that all the woes we had this weekend? Now we're going to Pocono for a double header of woes. Yeah, that's it. I think it's going to be a little bit of what you saw this weekend, maybe some fuel mileage. Um, some strategy, see where tire fall off is, but it's definitely going to be track position, fuel mileage, and see who can, uh, who can make it to the end. There's always some interesting strategy there at Pocono. A lot of opportunities to do some different things with the invert also on, on Sunday from Saturday's finish position. So stand by. Should be a good race this weekend. Ryan Flores, thanks for jumping on. Thanks. Have a great day. All right, guys, we're here with the big winner this week and longtime Joy of Seton customer Ryan Priest is joining Stack and Penny. Thanks for jumping on. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Corey. Definitely been a longtime customer. I don't think I've ever not had a Joy Seat. It's been about 16, 17. I know, man. It's uh, There's not many people that are loyal uh, like, like you are, Ryan Priest, whether that's a SK modified or a Tour modified. Now, you, got, you run a Hendrick seat in the cup car. But even up until your Xfinity Series days, you, you were in our seats. Yep. Yeah, no. It, uh, whether I was at Johnny Davis or that Gibbs car, when I ran the Gibbs car, I ran a LaJoy seat. So it's always something. I mean, anytime I compare a carbon seat, I try to get it as close to what my LaJoy feels like. Oh, nothing. Man. Big Rand would be happy, wouldn't he? Big Rand. I'm going to have to make this a Joy of Seating commercial. Uh, a couple bucks afterwards for advertising, but man, big week this week. You were the first winner back at National Super Speedway since 2011 in that DGM truck. How'd that feel? Man, it was sporty. Um, definitely carved up on plenty of pizza from Hunt Brothers. That I think that was really uh, a big part of it. But um, to be honest with you, going to Nashville, man, everybody everybody talks about the fairgrounds and and how cool it is. I haven't, I have never been to the fairgrounds. But I really didn't know what to expect going to Nashville Super Speedway, right? It's concrete. It was fast. I figured it was going to be, you know, something similar to like Dover, but just a mile and a half. And it was far from that. I think, I don't know how you felt, but going to a lot of different mile and a half, that was probably my favorite just because it had so much short track similarities to it. But it was, we were going 185 into the corner. Yeah. Yeah, you were using a lot of brake. We saw a lot of guys break some rotors there just because I think they were taking intermediate brakes. Man, you were you had to stand on them things to get the car load down. I thought that it drove more. I haven't driven a car in Iowa in, in since, I don't know, 2012. I thought it, looked, it drove similar to like a big Iowa. Yeah. Yeah, I compare. I thought the same thing, too. Just the difference is, is Iowa, you just – we're going so slow and maybe the horsepower difference and the downforce difference, but the, um, man, we're going so fast down the front stretch and going from that truck to, to the cup car. I noticed it big time. I mean, it was just a big difference. Now I talked to you earlier on Sirius XM radio. I'm asking you the same question. Was there any similarities or things that you learned on Friday night that applied and helped you on Sunday? <clears throat> I knew where every bump and seam or really the bumps were. So if my car was getting upset, like, I don't know if you felt it, but there was a bump coming off of three and four, right? You could feel it right. Right. When you were wanting to exit, it could upset your car if you weren't. So there was just things about that. Um, but as far as like track temperature, I think, you know, we gained so much more grip and you could feel the cars or you feel the truck a lot more at night versus during the day when the tires are so hot and it's trying you're trying to get it to turn you're trying to i saw you in my mirror a couple times slinging her sideways coming off the two oh, and coming yeah. off so i i just think you know everything's heat dependent and, and i think it was really good getting track time um and and i definitely felt it helped the learning tur curve when it came to practice the next day and 
and all those things. So it was definitely, it was a benefit for sure. So everybody wants to talk about Kyle Larson's extracurricular activities outside a NASCAR track. He goes to Ohio Sprint Car Week. He goes over here. He goes over there. I don't think that people realize that you race almost as much as Kyle Larson does, but in a modified. Yeah, not quite as much, but I do race a lot. Um, I think over the past two weeks, week, I mean, I was up in Connecticut, upstate New York, kind of everywhere. And next week, next Wednesday, I'll be up in Massachusetts running. A, they have an open wheel Wednesday at Seacock Speedway and over there. So, I'm, I mean, I just, I like to race. I mean, it's just something I enjoy doing and, and I like building the cars. I know you do too. Uh, I like the process of it. Um, that's what I enjoy. And it really fuels the fire for me, uh, my competitive passion towards racing. And, you know, it's really difficult in the cup series right now, uh, because I, I want to win. Right. But there's just a lot of things that have to go right to make that happen. So to kind of scratch that itch, I jump in the modified or I have this opportunity with the truck. And I don't think a lot of people anticipated on us winning that truck race. And, I was joking with some of the crew guys uh, from DGR on Friday. I'm like, man, the only reason I came to do this was to win. And, uh, you know, at the time, we were 11th in practice, wherever we qualified pretty good, decent, sixth. But, uh, you know, I think probably with about 20 to go, they probably took that statement a little more serious. Uh, they should have because you were the one holding the old Gibson guitar about the end of that thing. Yeah. Now, you got yourself set up into that cup situation by doing just that, by winning. You won a couple times in that Give Xfinity program, which sets you up, man. The Ryan's, Ryan Priest stock was at an all-time high. Now, these couple years of running the cup series, not probably running, not getting the results on a weekly basis like you'd like to, do you almost feel a little bit of that, like, like, the, fa like the fans almost forget what you're capable of and you have to remind them? by jumping behind the wheel and going to do something? I feel like Dogecoin, you know, when <laughs> I couple like a month ago and right now it's just rock bottom. Right. Yeah. So I think you, so, um, sometimes you got to re remind people. I mean, Corey, you, you know, you know, it's not necessarily, um, sometimes opportunities are presented to you and you got to go after them no matter what it is. And, and, uh, that's what I had to do. And I, I really feel JTG. I mean, look at Ricky this past weekend. Everything's going right for him. Uh, he's, he, they've had some solid runs this year where things just, they haven't for us necessarily. But when you see people saying he should have waited in Xfinity or this and that, it's like, it, it doesn't work like it once maybe did. And, um, you know, so you got to run with those opportunities and you got to make the best of them. And, you know, you definitely learn at this, in this sport, at this level, it takes it's so much more than Ryan Priest or Corey LaJoy or Kyle Bush or whatever it is. It's the people around you. It's it's everything. And, and we have all those pieces. It's just there's so much more to it than uh, than what meets the eye on Sundays on TV. Bro, the Cup Series is so hard and you can get on a swing and you can you can hit on it and you can run good for a couple of weeks. And next week you can't hit your ass with a garden rake. Now, before you go, you said, uh, you said you were going up there next week to race, but I, I want to let you go. But before we do a would-you-rather question, three of them. Oh, boy. I can only imagine what you came up with. I've come up with some crazy ones. Now, I just came up with these about four minutes ago before you jumped on, so these probably aren't my best work. But would you rather – yeah, if, would you rather have the chance to only win one cup race in your career or never win a modified, never race a modified again? I'd rather win a cup race in my career. What do you mean? Just have a cup win, are you talking about, and then never race again? Or you yeah, talking well, about, huh? Just win, win one cup race in your career or well, never race a modified again. Somebody told me I had to give up modified racing to go, go and, and, you know, have a chance to win week in and week out. I I do that for sure, but okay. uh, and I don't know. Okay, yeah. Well, That'd be, yeah, and I'm sure you would sneak away and have some sort of pseudonym like Smoke Johnson used to would or something, so nobody knew you were racing a modified. Yeah. Number two, would you rather before the 
before the Southern 500. It's 98 degrees, humid as hell, and you got to eat one thing before you jumped into that thing. Would you rather eat a Hump Brothers pizza or four Thomas buttered English muffins? Oof. You're putting me on the spot here, man. That's what we do here in Stacking Pennies. Yep, I think I'd put the English muffin on the pizza. That's and a great answer. <laughs> English muffin pizza. Sounds like the, all the carbs you need to get you through 500 miles. Yep, that's right. All right, last question. This is a fairly easy one. If you had to pick one race car and one racetrack to race at for the rest of your life, what are you picking? One race car and one racetrack. Oof, that's tough. Man, I love modifieds and I love everything, but if I could run a silver crown at IRP, that would be that would be huge for me. Have you ever That's driven cool. one there? Nope, oh, but you, I sure do. But you just think it'd be cool? I got a quick story for you. Because right, I know and you and I don't know how much time you got in the recording, but you you, you yeah. Not enough. So I won at South Boston earlier this year in the modified. And a guy comes up to me in Victory Lane and try, you know, he's like, "Hey, you want a beer?" I'm like, yeah, you know what? Sure. It's a natural light. It's our team sponsor. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna drink this with the guy. Fast forward to Nashville in Victory Lane. That guy comes up to me as I'm about to walk to the media center and hands me a natural light, 16 ounces. And I was like, you're my lucky charm. You're coming to every race. Yeah, you better be getting that goddamn hot pass. What's that guy's name? I won't have on my pit box. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Ryan Priest, hey, thanks for jumping on Stag and Pennies. I'll, uh, I'll see you here this weekend. Good luck at, at the old triple header this weekend for you. Absolutely. You too. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, guys, we've got some hedger tails this week. Man, I don't know what heads or tails would be at this point i think it's just it's the five is on heads any way you want to flip it merriman what do you think uh you're racing for second place if you show up to pocono and call larson's there uh i've got one for you would you rather race one 700 mile race pocono or two 300 400 miles there um i'd rather run two separate races that way if, if you had a good one, you had a chance to back it up. Or if you had a bad one on the first one, you had a chance to rebound, rebound, and uh, rebound, re- rebound. Uh, rebound, like rebound. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yes, a 700 mile race would be brutal. No, thanks. I do, I do have that heads or tails. Heads, Kyle Larson wins. Tails, Kyle Larson wins. I'm going to actually go on a limb. That's a toss-up. <laughs> I'm going to say Kyle – I'm going to go out on a limb and say Kyle Larson does not win either one this week. That That's going to be a hot take. I do think he comes away from Pocono with the regular season uh, points, points lead. lead. Yeah, he's – that guy has knocked off just about 100 points 
off Denny Hamlin in three weeks. It is absolutely bizarre and won a million dollars to boot. Is it really that bizarre, though? No, I mean, Denny, Denny was up almost two full races. Two full races. In Kyle's Larson, won what? Three in a row, but, I mean, still, it's insane. He's not – I'm going to go out and say he's not going to win either one of these races. I don't know why. It's got a feeling. I, I will say I, I, I'm kind of on board with you a little bit, but I do think a Hendrick Carr will probably get the win at Pocono just because historically they have been pretty strong there um, and have swept uh, the races at Pocono in the past. I'm going to go here, heads or tails. Merriman, I know you just called your shot. I'm going to take the 11 over the five this week in a hedge or tails. No shot. Uh, I think Kyle Larson comes away with at least three stage wins and one race win. I think he racks points up this weekend. Man, Chuck, what do you got? I'm going to go with William Byron getting the win Saturday and Bowman getting the win Sunday. Keeping it Hendrick. I think Kyle Larson finishes in the top five in both and gets a couple of stage wins. But yeah. not as completely of a dominant performance from Larson. Yeah. But I still think Hendrick is dominating. I, I agree with that to an extent. So the last couple of weeks, we've seen a little bit of his resurgence from Stuart Haas Racing. We had two, they had the four, they had the 10 in the top 10 at the All Star race, I believe. And they had the four and the 10 were strong all day long with the 10 sit on the pole this past weekend in Nashville. Are we seeing a resurgence of maybe not so? All right, heads or tails here this week. Harvick's notoriously good. Harvick or Kyle Bush? I'll take Harvick. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Harvick. I'm gonna go with the four because they've been inside the top ten. They've been up there. I mean, what he ran out of gas Sunday, right? Yeah, but yeah, I mean, they've been, they've, they've been faster. They're showing. Yeah, they've been getting faster. Eric Almarola got on the pole and then obviously faded after that. But I mean, they they're starting to show signs of life at SHR, and it could be like again. It's the summer. Some, you know, Tony Stewart used to always heat up in the summer. So maybe SHR starts to heat up in these summer months and rattles off a couple of wins. He was Before, out there. He was out there this weekend. I seen old Smoke and Leah Pritchett. It was good to see him back at the racetrack. Gave me the warm and fuzzy. Before we, uh, before we move on, can we talk about the fact uh, the Nines pit crew wins a hundred grand one week and then literally. The nine is deep. Awesome, 100 grand the next week. I mean, did we? You know where that money's going. It's to pay off that building. Yeah. Well, things, I guess. And I might be wrong. And correct me if I'm wrong. They didn't do any lug nut checks after the segment at the All-Star Race. They did go back and check GoPros and make sure all five got hit versus, like, on the actual team cameras. There's a difference between getting hit and getting on there all the way. Uh huh. Just grazed. Zing. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? But we do know that we have some jackpot races this week. Who we got, yeah. Chuck? Well, I'm going to have to rattle them off because Merriman's phone, uh, his work phone's a little busted. Um, so Don't put your phone in your gym shorts. <laughs> the shallow pockets will kill you every time. If I had a nickel. Anyway, um, you might have a nickel if you win one of these jackpot races. So the first group, first group, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Larson, William Byron, Chase Elliott, or Martin Trex Jr. Who's the first name? Denny Hamlin. Yeah. I'm I'm feeling the eleven this week. I think he gets in victory lane. Jonathan? Take the five. Taking Kyle Larson is faster than the next truck, that's for sure. You can wow. next day it. Kyle Larson will beat you there. <laughs> I said it. He's already I there. Said it, I said it earlier. William Byron. I'm taking William Byron in that. All right. All right, group two. Group two. Brad Keselowski, 
Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, Joey Logano, or Ryan Blaney? Man, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Logano. He's been he's been quietly consistent over the last couple of weeks. So I feel like he might be up there sniffing around for a top five, maybe looking at a win here. I'll take Kevin all day. All right, we are gonna go deep into the best finish group with group five on this one. All right. Normally we do the top three, but I'm switching it and we're going to group five because I like the look of group five. All right, we've got Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Ryan Newman, Eric Amarola, Eric Jones, and Corey LaJoy. Man, I feel like that's kind of a wild card one because you never know out of that group who can hit on it. Um, I don't know if I would hammer – I don't know if I'd hammer the old seven car up against a couple of them other guys because they've been consistently faster than us. Uh, The 47 showed a ton of speed in Nashville. Um, I'll go with the, I'll go, I don't know. I'm racing the 10 in points. I really don't want him to have a good day. I'd rather him be back there with me so I can get some points on him. Um, whoever was second on that list is who I'm taking. I don't even know who it was. That was Ryan Newman. Yeah, we'll go with Newman. He gets around pretty good. I'll take the 10. I think they're showing speed. So I think that's a, that's a top 10 car. Should be a top 10 car. Should be top 10 car. But he's I'm going right to take this. Say that again. But he's right in front of me in points. I'm going to take the seven just because I like the odds to win the race. Um, yeah. I feel like that's that's a, those are good odds. I like them. Um, speaking of, 50, speaking 50, of odds, 000, plus 50,000. Wow. Yeah. So you put a show down in the seven, you could be. You'd be laughing all the way to the bank. Some buy a lot of Dogecoin with that. A lot of Dogecoin, and you could actually—I mean, hey—some some track positions, some crazy fuel strategy happens at Pocono sometimes. Some fog rolls in, like a Chris Busher situation. You never know. You never, never. know. Two races no. to try it. Put five bucks down if you got it. You know, hey, somebody, what do you got to lose? I, somebody, a hot somebody tweeted at me this week. Um, they put down 57 bucks on me to win, uh, to be in the top 20. I think it was like plus 800 or something. And he, he won like set like 680 bucks or something. So what a wise guy that guy is. Cause we've been rocking top twenties out of ballpark this past month, guys hammer it. That's me hammering. <laughs> and again, it's a video, it's an audio podcast. So my hammering actually you got You could have at least hit something, Chuck. Yes. Well, I'm I'm in a I'm actually stuck in a glass case of emotion, so I had to hammer that. I'm in one of the the huddle rooms at work taping this because we're doing a pickup hey, later in the afternoon. You're not allowed to shameless plug your other podcasts on my Stack and Penny show, Chuck. Hey, it's all it's a surprise and delight season. There's not a lot of them, so that's gotta, right. Well, there you have it. Hedge your tails and jackpot races. Go download the app. Win twenty five grand. All right, guys, we're going to do a real-life Corey stories. They're all real life, but this is another Corey life stories. Pocono is a special place for me because that's where I met my wife, Kelly. I'll try to make this long story short, but I'll just go ahead and give you a long version. I was a Richard Petty motorsports development driver, quote-unquote, and I was running an ARCA car for them at the time. And Kelly's roommate, and she was living in Manhattan. Her roommate at the time, Aaron, was like a, a bottle waitress at one of those bars in new york and andy merstein the majority owner of rich petty motorsports was a was a customer andy's in there talking hey you need to get some friends together we'll go to the race one weekend he was referring to pocono so aaron says sure comes home ask kelly hey i got this guy wants uh invited us to go to a nascar race she's like where's it at she was thinking like monaco or somewhere glorious like that no 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 it's in pocono well kelly up literally seven minutes from Pocono she says um no thank you a couple weeks go by day of the race comes everybody on Aaron's side bailed and she was gonna go by herself Kelly's like well I'm not gonna let you go by yourself and who knows what could happen go by yourself so Kelly called up a couple of her friends they loaded up on Andy's helicopter and they flew from wherever they flew from you know on their on top of the Wall Street high rise over to Pocono Andy's got four really good looking girls with him walking around 
introduces us really quick. Hey, how are you? Uh, hey, I'm Corey. We then head back underneath the under the hood. We were throwing springs. That was my first time there, so I was lost as last year's Easter eggs. Well, ended up starting the back. We ended up winning the race. Andy comes in the victory lane, hugs the whole deal, and we get this picture of these four girls and myself, like you know, number one with the hat, the whole deal, and didn't know any of these girls' names. All I knew is the dark-haired one was really hot. Kelly and I made real quick small talk. Hey, if you're in New York, let me know. Well, we drove back from Pocono in the dueling trailer. And, of course, I had nine hours. So what's anybody going to do? They're just going to Facebook stalk. So I Facebook stalked Kelly. Didn't know her last name. Found her out. Direct messenger. Went back up there for a couple weeks later for a meeting with Andy. We had dinner. Long-distance date. And the rest is history. Now we got a little 15-month-old in Levi. So... That is how I met my wife at Pocono, and Pocono is near and dear to my heart. Maybe we should, what do you think, Chuck? Maybe I can book a a heart-shaped jacuzzi this weekend and treat her to a good time. Or one of the champagne flute ones. Don't they have, like, the champagne? Get a little crazy down there in Pocono. Pocono, I love Pocono. I love Pocono. I love Pocono. To bring it full circle, how was your father's trip, Corey? Yeah, it was good, man. uh, We ended up with a top 15. So uh, now in a roundabout way, finished 16th. The nine got tossed, but it don't matter because at the end of the day, I lined up 15th at the pay window, and uh, that is fourth top 20s from Aspire Motorsports team. I'm happy. Let's go. It's uh, it's good, man, because people people don't realize top to finish top 24 times in a row for I mean, it's uh, it's hard with the competition. It's uh, you know, top 20 guys are spending over 20 million bucks a, a car, so we're nowhere near that, but. We're uh, we're executing now. We're starting to hit on all cylinders and have some fun. On Pocono, you got back to back days of cup racing. Mm-hmm. What do you you you've got to win at Pocono? We heard in Corey's stories, right? So got to win at Pocono, get around there pretty well. Got the old eagle with the American flag in its mouth. Is that the old one? I the loved, eagle humping yeah, the flag. Yeah, yes, loved it. Loved that trophy. Yeah, it's um, Merriman's favorite trophy too. Yeah, and then. Uh, <laughs> They modeled it after me, I think. <laughs> and just put a bald eagle on your on your body. <laughs> um, yeah, so if we finish top 20 on Saturday, we get the invert. We might start in the front row or somewhere around it. So I think that I think they did that last year. I'm assuming they did it this year. Or they're doing it this year. Well, I hope you start 20th on Sunday and you win the damn mm-hmm. Saturday race. Yeah, hey, let's go. Crazier things can happen because there's a lot of pit strategy, hey, fuel mileage stuff that comes Yeah, in. reverse. You, you run that thing like a road course almost. That's right. Well, I also don't want to – hey, I know we're wrapping up here in a little spare change. I don't want to just breeze over. Probably one of the biggest milestones of the weekend was Kyle Busch winning his 100th Xfinity Series race. Now, people can say, oh, it's just the minor leagues and this and that. Dude, 100 wins in one series is unbelievable. Do you think all the Twitter haters are going to get together and, like, crowdfund a retirement party for Kyle? Because he says he's done after he runs the races he's got scheduled this year. So, I mean, they should. If they're going to bitch about it that much, they should at least send him a, a, a edible arrangement people or something. Are gonna, people are going to complain. People are going to bitch. But people also have to be aware that if Kyle Busch is in the Xfinity race, there's going to be a lot of people that don't tune in to see what the results are going to be because that guy draws eyeballs no matter if he's the villain or the hero to somebody. But uh, anytime you have Kyle Busch in the field, whether it's a super late model, a dirt late model, an Xfinity race, or in a cup race, people are tuning in specifically to see how he does because he is so polarizing. And people have to acknowledge the benefit that brings to the sport. I'm fully on board with He's it. a gold standard. He's gold standard. Nah, I don't know about the gold standard. I was just Back gonna say, her down he's, a little bit. He's a wheel man. <laughs> you don't think he's a gold standard in trucks and Xfinity when he runs? Like, that is what you measure yourself against? Well, maybe if you put it like that. But the gold standard <laughs> of a race car driver, per se, nah, I'm not sure you would necessarily want to emulate some of his mannerisms and his characteristics. You would try to, You could try to emulate what he does behind the wheel, but good luck because it's not going to happen. There's only a spot for one Kyle Busch. Don't try to be another one. Well, let me ask you this. If you could build the perfect race car driver, right? Mm-hmm. All-around race car driver. What what elements of what drivers are you taking? Ooh. Kyle Larson's raw talent. We're going past. We're going present. We're going. Yeah. Yeah. So this is me. 
Kyle Lawson's raw, raw talent. I'm taking his raw talent over anybody. Guys, Jeff Gordon's, Tony Stewart's. You can debate me, but I don't have time for it. It's my show. Kyle Larson's <laughs> talent. Jimmy Johnson's demeanor. Uh-huh. And, like, uh, um, his, like, calmness in the car because he rarely got fired up. He kind of stayed, like, locked in, engaged the whole time. Um, my dashing good looks. Okay. Back or down. <laughs> <laughs> and Daryl Waltrip's uh, PR abilities. Okay. Okay. I could see that being a winning combination. Yeah. Yeah. What what are you building? What are you building, Merriman? So I'm gonna go with the I'll I'll agree with you, Larson's straight raw talent, fearlessness in, in the race car or, or abilities, talents. I would go more of an intimidator uh on the racetrack mentality, not afraid to use the bumper, you know, when somebody might be a little bit faster and you can't get by. I want somebody that's gonna gonna nudge that a little bit and the the savvy off the racetrack to market his feuds, his beefs, everything between him and Rusty, him and Jeff was what really sold a lot of t-shirts. So that's that's the mix that that I would do. Mm. All right, I like that. I like that. Chuck, I would take Kyle Busch's talent. That's because that's what made me think of this was talking okay. about him and his his that talent and what he can do with a race car. But I would combine Richard Petty's like savvy, the way he dealt with the the fans. Now, the, the only reason I wouldn't say Richard Petty's on track driving ability is because I haven't ever seen that in person. So I I can't like I saw it at Darlington yeah, a couple years yeah. ago when he ignored the flagman. <laughs> but the way he deals with with fans and the media and like you like. That was the man that set the gold standard for how you yeah. market, like the marketing side of things. All right. So I that, would also add Richard Petty's uh, demeanor in a time of crisis in which we can go back to the 1992 Atlanta race where he wanted to get the fire extinguisher. Get the fucking fire extinguisher. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I'd take that. And then um, to round it out, I'm going to throw Jimmy Johnson's uh, – just Jimmy his, – his approach to – racing a car and the on and off track stuff that yeah the fitness side of things yeah so two seven-time champions and then <laughs> jimmy's jimmy's goatness yeah that's how you wrap it all up yeah and we're wrapping it all up today here on stacking penny it's been fun uh talking to my buddies ryan flores and ryan priest and as always chuck bush and ice cold take jonathan merriman tune in next week double header pocono poco yes got double the opportunity to be wrong next week <laughs>